Welcome to the Persistence You podcast with Lisbeth, and that's you as in university. But we're much more of a community here. I'm your host, Lisbeth Meredith, author, speaker, and online teacher. Each week, I'll be delivering stories from amazing survivors and strivers, all threaded together with a dose of persistence. So glad you're listening. Midlife women, are you prioritizing you or still living a shrink-to-fit life? That's the question I ask in my quiz that'll take you about 45 seconds to one minute to complete. And it's a passion of mine because I feel like I personally waited for permission to reach for and kind of slay some goals and, I don't know, eke my way to the life that I really wanted to live. And once I realized that no one was going to give it to me unless I did, it was really important because I found so much more joy. So if you feel like you've been waiting for everyone else to be happy, and now you're at an age where you realize that time is of the essence and we're not going to be here forever, then take my quiz. Are you prioritizing you or still living a shrink-to-fit life? And... Let's look at your results. I have special freebies inside for each of them and a fun offer. This is kind of a passion project of mine. At the moment, I'm sitting outside in the Tennessee sun. It's like 64 degrees. This is in February and I'm sitting next to the awesome swimming pool by my apartment. Not a life that came to me naturally ever. And a year ago, I was having water dripping on my head in Anchorage, Alaska because of a snowstorm that went through my, well, the condensation came through the ceiling of the roof. So it's, it's exciting to think that we can sometimes choose a different life, the one that we've always wanted without waiting for someone else to green light our dream. All right. Let me know what you think. I can't wait to hear your results and do share. I love hearing from you. You can always find out more about me and the things that I'm doing at lameredith.com. And that's where you can reach out and share your results with me. Welcome, Persisters, to another episode of Persistence You with Lisbeth. And today I am absolutely ecstatic to bring you guest Jen Smurz or Jennifer Smurz who today is a wellness coach and health educator. But before all of that happened, Jen was, in fact, a mom racing to do all of the things for her children, and in addition to not inconveniencing anyone with a couple of different part-time jobs and keeping all of her details together so that she could be there for her family and her passions professionally. And then breast cancer came. Jen has been through a number of surgeries, and I'll let her tell the story, but the process of survival has absolutely transformed how she thinks and what value she brings to the world because of it. So thanks so much for being here today, Jen. I am so excited to have you. Oh, my pleasure. And I, too, am equally excited to be talking with you today. Tell us, please, a little bit about your journey. Maybe first a little backstory as a mom and the different things you were doing to, you know, cobble together a living and yet make sure that your kids' details were taken care of and the family was honored. 
Absolutely. So yes, I've I've always worked in the fitness industry. That's been just my side passion. I, I love it and love motivating other people. And um, was also in human resources before having my two boys. So life life was good. And then I had my first son. And after our, my maternity leave, just realized, you know what, I, I didn't know that I could have children. And that's a whole other podcast. Um, but I I knew at that point that I I wanted to go into part time career coaching continue with my fitness um, passion as well and be able to raise my my son and now I'm blessed with two boys so life was life was great I felt fairly balanced I would bring them to the gym I had my fitness uh, you know fitness role and then was a career coach as well but able also to volunteer cook healthy meals be a part of their lives and all of their milestones and and that really continued until until my diagnosis in May of 2019. I was 43 at the time and uh, diagnosed with breast cancer. So sh- sure, wow. it, it was a it was a shock. I mean, I, I I'm fairly healthy. I was young. It wasn't in my family history, but you just go with the flow. And I was very very fortunate that everything happened quite fast. So I um, learned that I had breast cancer within two weeks, had my first surgery. Everything seemed to go well, um, with the exception it was in my lymph nodes. So we knew that, you know, that might have changed my my treatment plan. And we were in the last week of school. My son's birthday is also in that week. I was looking forward to just being able to recover. And when I went for my follow-up appointment with my surgeon um, to receive the pathology reports, a report, he let me know that there was a deeper tumor that was not shown in the mammogram or that he didn't see. So I was scheduled in within eight hours um, for my my second lumpectomy within a two-week period. And then my journey, (laughs) my true journey began. And as you say, I've, I've, I've since, I've had a total of five surgeries um, 18 months of treatment and three, three tumors within an 11 month period. That is a lot. Yeah, it, it, it was a lot. And again, what you think is a, a little journey of stage one in breast cancer, hey, it's treatable. And everyone said, although how scary the C word is, if you're to have any cancer, breast cancer is the one to have, right? Very treatable. Um, and it still is. I am cancer free, but it certainly I had a few bumps to get me to this spot. And uh, that's, that's what's made me who I am today and start this new new passion project. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you and very much. Tell us about the journey. Now, you are not patching it. Which, where are you patching in from? I am come from Ontario, Canada. Okay. So healthcare and healthcare provisions may be very different state to state, country to country, but you had the availability of that treatment. What were your thoughts initially? I mean, I think it's just kind of important to get real, but what were your thoughts initially when you got that diagnosis and then you found out there was another tumor? Great question. And I, so when I first got the diagnosis, um, I mean, sh- definitely shock, right? And talking to friends and family, even my my children who at the time is like, oh my gosh, if you got cancer with, I'm quite healthy <laughs> in terms of, I, I try, I try to be quite healthy, then anyone can get it. And, you know, you, you don't want them to live in fear. Um, but when I was initially diagnosed, I thought it's, it's early stages. I am healthy. I'm going to ba- bounce out. You know, I, I will get through this. 
within two weeks had that first surgery. So I, I didn't really have time to think it happened so fast. I I'm a worrier by nature. So literally that two week period, I subbed as many classes as I could. I was getting my meals ready. I was making plans in the evening just to keep me busy so that I didn't worry. However, that said, when I sat for the second time with the surgeon, well, really the the third time, I guess, because the initial diagnosis, and he shared that there was another tumor, that's when I really broke down. And I get get even teary now because that, sure. I, I thought, you know, that I, I I hadn't even had treatment at that point, but I, I just thought I was at a stage where I could start recovering to know that I had to go back. Again, it was in my favor. I, I think the appointment was at 6 p.m. and he had me in the next day at 4 a.m. Like I didn't really have time to think even in that case. Um, and in hindsight, people said, well, you know, why didn't you push for a, a mastectomy at that time as opposed to just a double, as, as opposed to just another lumpectomy? It just, things happened too fast and I was in shock. I really was in shock. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, again, you get through it. I had got through that second surgery and uh, had the summer to sort of recover from that. And I think it is important that people feel empowered to be really sad sometimes and, and to say, why me? Uh, you know, I've been following the rules. I've eaten my vegetables. I've got my exercise. I've not, you know, done the things that would seem to put me at high risk, but it still happened. And so I think that's kind of an important, you know, permission to have. Right. And you were balancing kids and a couple of part-time jobs, but then you had this second surgery, what started to really help you in your journey? Oh, for, for me, I mean, my fitness has always been something that, that helps me. Um, and even so I had my second surgery, the end of June, I was able to get back and teach classes in July. Um, I, and then August, my chemo started and initially it was biweekly. So I would have my treatment happened to be the summer. So I would go up to our cottage and, and recover for that week, come back and teach and then recover for a week. So life was, you know, I was able to keep up with the fitness piece, getting outside in general. Um, it, it was the summer months, which I love the summer. So all, a lot of good things happening when things really, you know, started to take a turn for, for the worse for me was in the fall such a busy time. Kids are back in school. Both my boys play rep hockey, which just means it's divide and conquer. <laughs> For anyone in any rep sport, it's, you know, we've got two of them and luckily my husband and I, but it was divide and conquer. And obviously the treatments were getting, you know, one on top of the other. So I, I was only able to teach for six weeks and then no hair, no energy, no motivation to get myself up and running, never mind a, a group of participants. So um, once I stopped teaching, I needed to make sure that I was still getting that, the, the benefits of moving your body, even though I wasn't, um, you know, I was tired, I didn't have the same strength. So I just made sure I walked daily, you know, even if it was just around the house that I couldn't even get out of the house. Um, deep breathing is something that I, I teach in yoga and during the savasana and to get into deep, you know, your poses. I never realized until going through this cancer journey, um, the importance of deep 
intentional belly breath. Um, so whether it was during the treatments or waiting in the waiting rooms or waiting to get a diagnosis or, you know, dealing with my kids and and the stress that life has, or even waiting in line at, you know, a grocery store or whatever, that deep belly breath, you know, closing your eyes or not just intentional, it really puts you in a calming state and no, it doesn't alleviate everything that you're dealing with in life, but it does bring you to the present, um, hopefully recenter you, calm you, and helps you move forward, which I, I truly believe that was a key piece in, in getting me through everything that I've been through. Well, that's fantastic. And it's affordable. And it's affordable, yes. <laughs> You're so right, Elizabeth. <laughs> what else helped you? I remember we talked before about uh, maybe it was a class, something like that, some support that helped Yes, I was very fortunate. So um, to be very transparent, I I have suffered from anxiety and depression prior to my cancer diagnosis. And I'm was, as you mentioned, very fortunate that through my doctor, she got me in touch with uh, various programs, many of them were funded. um, So they were free. Often, um, and one in particular was at the hospital. It was a six-week outpatient program where you would go daily, which for myself, I needed that routine. Um, I needed to have something to do and be told almost what to do as opposed to just sitting in fear and, and frantic. Um, and I, 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 through all my experiences, I've been very fortunate that things have happened I've gotten in very quickly without having to wait, which sadly during the pandemic, that's not necessarily the case for people that need to get into these programs, but they are available. So it's hope to everyone that there there are resources out there. Um, I have done counseling as well. And um, during when I was going through my chemo treatments through their um, the hospital program, you had access to a social worker and a psychiatrist if you needed it. And they had different workshops and so forth. So it's sourcing out um, and, you know, talking to people and sharing what you're feeling and what you need. And there, there, there are resources out there. So it's just it's being aware of them and making sure people know how they can help. Fantastic. I think so often we get referrals for things when we're in a crisis, we hear that there's support and we might think to ourselves, I don't need that. I'm strong. I'm, you know, I've got a great family or I've got good friends. I'm, and personally, what I hear when I hear people say this is I'm above all of that. Mm. I really don't need that. I'm, I'm really way better than that. And I think People don't understand the value that happens when you're with other people experiencing something where just you showing up brings them value. Yes. For you listening to their stories, you get so much perspective. And so if you could speak a little bit to the peer support process, because that's huge in my mind, any kind of recovery. Well, absolutely. And I'm shaking my head because literally after this call, I'm meeting with four of the friends that I met through that six week program. So it's been two years since I've been part of that, but I still keep in touch, whether through text. Today in in Ontario, we are out of lockdown, so we're able to actually see each other. Um, So that peer support, thank you. Yeah, that peer support, as you say, is. It got me through. It was so key. And as I started some of the programs at my worst, 
you know, I was able to get the support from other people and just hearing that you're not alone, right? I mean, I, I did have my family and, and different friends that not necessarily had gone through what I had gone through, but were very supportive. But having people that truly have gone through with what you go through and when you describe something like picking out an outfit and how stressful that is, people say, are you kidding me? It, it really, I was debilitated. And so to have other people that can relate and not judge, that is so powerful. And, you know, as I worked through, in particular, that six-week program, certainly each week, fortunately, I was getting, feeling much more myself. I was able to help the people that were just starting it um, because it was a graduated, people could start each week. So that, that support, um, and I still am, am part of various support groups, just, just for people to know they are not alone. And um, you know what, it really can affect everyone and there's help out there. So yeah, it's important for, for moms, for, for CEOs, for everyone to realize that. No matter what you're going through, somewhere people have walked in your shoes or are about to. And I love that you embraced that because that that's the transformation right there. And it doesn't really matter if it's breast cancer. In my case, it was kidnapped children. In someone else's case, it may be something totally different. But there are people who have walked or will walk in your shoes. And to be a part of that continual loop of giving and being able to receive is really where the transformation for the good happens. And I feel like gives everyone so much hope. So I love that you embrace that process. I'm always sad when I hear people say, well, I didn't do it. I'm mentally strong. I, mm. I, I got this on my own. I'm like, no, you don't. You really don't. Yeah. <laughs> we all are pack animals. And the danger in my mind of not embracing a group model such as this is you can wear your friends and family out talking about things that they truly cannot relate to. And that's not fair. Right. And you know what? I I have to say there was a few friends that were fantastic, but it, it did get to the point where they're like, I don't know what else to do other than yes, checking in and being right. there. If I would, they didn't know what to do. And I mean, that's, is that fair to put on them? Right. Not really where, Having that the support group of whether it's professionals leading the groups, a counselor, a psychologist, or the the actual peers that are going through it is uh, again that that certainly was what helped me the most. Oh, I think that's just terrific. And then tell tell us about the transformation afterward and where you're at today. Yes, yeah, so I had my last, and I say last uh, surgery in September, um, and I am cancer free. Um, I'm still a fitness coach and a career coach, but where I'm spending my focus is this passion project. Um, while trying to prevent a, you know, a fourth diagnosis, I, I did a little bit of, well, quite a bit of research and reached out with various uh, naturopaths and holistic healers just to ensure I thought I was living a healthy lifestyle, but is there something that I was missing? And that's when I learned that there are toxins in many of our household products that have been linked to all sorts of ailments, whether it's lung disease, yes, cancer as well, um, but even mental health um, concerns, asthmas, allergies. So once I learned that, that was where I could take control in, in whether it's anxiety, depression, stress, 
cancer diagnosis is you, you feel out of control. But I was able to take the control back, feel empowered to detox my home and use natural products. So now it's it's my mission to just educate other people because I, I was naive in in thinking that the candle I was burning or the dish detergent or laundry detergent or shaving cream or whatever was could actually cause harm. And after learning, it takes 26 seconds for whatever's in the air to land on your skin and get into your bloodstream, that's when I'm, I'm like, aha, uh-huh, I'm going to make these changes. And, uh, and I'm just sharing what I've learned and my, my, my journey and, and, and experience with as many people as I can. I love that. I adore that. Now, where can people best connect with you to learn how to work with you and to learn more about the t- things you're talking about? Absolutely. So I am on LinkedIn and uh, my name is, is fairly unique. There might be a few others, but my last name is Smurz, S-M-R-Z. And um, there's my Calendly link in that and, and, and ways to get a hold of me, email and so forth. I do have my website. And Elizabeth, do you have that to post for your, your audience? Okay, it is um, Jen Smurz, so J E N N. S M R Z, you know what? Let me just make sure. Um, dot Wix site, W I X S I T E dot com. So you could certainly find me there and learn more about my journey and how I could help you. Thank you so much for listening today. If you've enjoyed the show, please follow. And if you've really, really enjoyed it, tell a friend and go ahead and give us a review. I'll see you next week. Proud member of the Podnougan Network.